Could I request that they sing that tonight again? Yeah. Can I sing with them? That was awesome. That was awesome. Because of Jesus. That's why it's awesome. I'm going to look over the crowd here at first chance this morning. I'm, I'm looking for a visitor, T.J. Carney. I haven't seen T.J. since he's a little boy. If you're here, I can't recognize you. T.J., are you here? Guess he's not. Would you pray that T.J. will come tonight? His mom and dad are missionaries to Hungary. And uh, T.J.'s uh, getting some education about an hour from here. And his parents were trying to hook him up with us. And so we're praying that T.J. will come tonight. If he comes, make him feel at home. I'm excited about this morning. I'm really excited about tonight as well. Um, I want to just encourage everybody here. I know the young people aren't here, but I want to really encourage you to get every young boy, young male uh, here. I feel like the message this evening is going to be really directed to them. And uh, so you might say, well, I'm not a young man, so I don't think I'm going to be coming. Well, think about the message you'll be sending the young ones if you're not here because I, I really feel like the Lord's given complete peace and a target to uh, really just challenge the young men, um, young boys up through young adult males, and I know you older men want to help them in that, and so I want to re- I'm really excited about that. And then I'll uh, share with you some stories about Josh and uh, Noah, your, your interns. How many of you want to say amen to that? You'd like to hear those stories. They're both single. And uh, I'll be sharing more about that tonight, and they've asked me to try to help them out on that this evening. And then I'll be using them, them as an illustration this evening. Can I agree with a vote on that? The two of them will use it as an illustration this evening. And they won't like it, but I personally will love every bit of it. And then I want to address some um, you in the way of thanking you and giving you an update on uh, what your support is doing right now uh, this summer. It's no small matter what we're up against and what we're trying to accomplish in a short eight weeks, but I want to give you an update on that. But this morning, um, we are thrilled. Pam and I, we didn't bring our daughter Victoria, but um, we've got my wife Pam here. We're thrilled. She already had a good time talking to the ladies. And uh, one lady says, boy, your wife was sure good. Now we're going to see how good you are. Yeah. What a wicked attitude that is. No, it's not. It's not. I'm not looking at that lady right now. Uh, but we are so thankful to be back here. This is like home. I was telling the men this. Um, we love this part of the country. We love Georgia. My wife's family is all from South Georgia. But this is a dear place. The relationship with your pastor and his family just extends to you over the years. And then we just love it. We really do. And you make us feel at home. And we're so thankful for that. And so this always falls right in the middle of our vacation. But we always pen this in whenever he calls and asks. So this is something that... We consider a little bit of a a recharge for us. But this morning on Father's Day, I want to be very pointed and want to talk to the men. And so ladies, um, it's not that you're not here, but um, I don't know how to be one of you. So I can't help you other than what the scripture can. But I think this morning um, you can fall into place in the sense that if your men can be helped, why you can be helped. Can I get an amen on that? That's for sure. And so I want to talk to you this morning about success. I mean, men like to be successful. Men like that. Uh, Noah's Webster's Dictionary, the 1828 Dictionary, defines success as the favorable or prosperous termination of anything that is attempted. 
a termination with answers the purpose intended. And so this morning we're going to be talking about serving up success. Serving up success. So the dictionary calls the success, the attainment of wealth, the attainment of favor or eminence or being served and fame. That's what the world calls success. But I doubt if I'd get much of an argument from this crowd about the fact that the majority of the world's system that would call wealth, fame, and all of that would go into success. But if we are to use the world standard to measure success, few of any hope actually have hope of success. Not everyone can be successful under the world standard. See, someone has said this, and they say it very correctly. It's not enough that I succeed. Others must then fail if I am to succeed. If I am to be famous, then someone must not be famous. If I am to be served, then someone must be serving. If I am to be wealthy or the wealthiest, then someone must be poor. Think about it. Someone else must be poor. Someone else much, 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 must not have much wealth. Someone must be unknown. If we are equally known, then there is no fame. Some must serve. There's no such thing as success if someone doesn't serve. So by the world standard, success, which they say is wealth, fame, but they're all relative terms. If we did a comparison, I would say this. You and I are wealthy compared to a child in Mexico City today who lives in a hut or a dump in Mexico City. We're wealthy to them. Um, but you are not wealthy compared to the million-dollar salary executive of a corporation who's, who's, who's not wealthy compared to a baseball player who makes $6 million per year or who's not wealthy compared to Bill Gates who I don't even know how much he makes. Now, tell me, how do you measure success if you're going to measure it by wealth? A preacher, famous. A preacher may be famous compared to, to one, but maybe to one who just started a church he, he, that one who just started church isn't famous. Maybe if you compare this preacher to um, a Billy Graham or a Jerry Falwell, then that preacher's not famous at all compared to Jerry Falwell or Billy Graham or to Charles Spurgeon, who wouldn't be famous compared to a man named Martin Luther, who's not famous when compared to the Apostle Paul, who said this, I am the least of all the apostles. Now you tell me, how do you measure success if you look at it in the world's eyes. See, the point is this. By the world standards, success is elusive and disillusioning. The rock star named Janis Joplin, a name from the past, speaking of her fame, she said this, now that I am here, referring to being famous, she then said this, where am I? And then she died of an overdose not long after that, lying face down in her own vomit, she succeeded by the world standards. Elvis Presley, Marilyn Monroe, Howard Hughes, Robin Williams, Jeffrey Epstein, Prince, the great rock singer, they say, all died by suicide, famous people. By the standards of God's eternal word, everyone here, not the world standard, but everyone here, everyone here, 
can be successful. Success is truly in the reach of every one of us. Regardless of how famous or not so famous or how wealthy or how poor you and I may be, success is attainable for all of us. Why? But success can be defined biblically as this faithfulness. When the Lord says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things, and I will make thee ruler over many things. That's a faithful servant. With that in mind, I'm going to ask you to turn to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. I'm going to read just a few verses, then we're going to skip around a little bit in the scripture. Luke chapter 22. If you're a visitor, please uh, take advantage. There's probably a church member there. A church member, if you're there, if you see someone that doesn't have a Bible, just slip over right beside them. I'd love for, the, I'd love for everybody to see that this isn't from my book. This is from Scripture. So if you see someone that doesn't have a Bible right now, just slip over by them. Luke chapter 22. We're going to invite your attention to verse 24 and 27. <clears throat> Serving up success. Verse 24, if you're there, say amen. Amen. Verse 24, and there was also a strife among them. Which of them should be accounted the greatest? And he said unto them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But ye shall not be so, but he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger and he that is, is chief as he that doth serve. For, what's, for whether is greater he that sitteth at meat or he that serveth. It is not that, this, that sitteth at meat, but I am among you as he that serveth. Wow. Jesus himself is teaching the disciples here to think the opposite of what the Gentiles were thinking, opposite of what the world was presenting. And in verse 24, he gives that very, very clearly. He teaches them to think opposite of the world thought. Verse 25, he says, the worldly thought is that the great one will be served by others. That's the worldly thought. The worldly thought is that the great one will be served by others. In verses 26 through 27, Jesus says that the greatest will be a servant. It's opposite. It's flipped upside down from what the world is saying. That's what Jesus said. The Son of God says it's different than the world. It's opposite. That it is now that that they wanted to hear what Jesus had to say, but it was very different, and he was trying to challenge them to think differently. The thought that the world had, or that the Gentiles had, has a wider acceptance than Jesus' teaching. Jesus' teaching is more narrow. Men still think, basically, like the Gentiles did. We will determine your degree of success by how many men work for you. How big is your company? Or what is your home address? Or what is the size of your your vehicle? What car do you drive? You see, the world is plagued with the thinking, especially even among believers, that we tend to measure success that who is under us. That is not success at all. That is how the world thinks. But it has crept into the church's thinking. And it's a plague. And it's opposite of what Jesus teaches. Jesus teaches that the greatest is those that serve. 
In verse 27, Jesus said, I am among you as that he serveth. It sounds as though I am going to be successful if I'm going to serve people. If I'm going to be like Jesus, that would be successful. Can I get an amen on that? If he believes that it is this way that you are successful by serving, and if he is the example, which he is, and if he themselves amongst the disciples was serving them, then that is where we'll find great success. But that is contrary to how even the disciples were thinking, and it is contrary to how many of us, us would be thinking in this world, especially it's the sim, it's the, it, it is possible for all the symbols of success to be all over you and not to be successful in God's sight. You could be successful in your career. You could have reached this level. You could have reached this award. You could be promoted here. You could have even finished early. You could be well taken care of monetarily and successful in the eyes of man. But in God's eyes, you're not successful at all because you are not serving others. What a terrible shame. That would be to go through your Christian life successful in man's eyes, but not in the Lord's. Successful at this hobby, successful at this career, successful with this degree, successful with all of these things, but yet not successful in God's eyes. Philippians, if you'll turn there, Philippians chapter 2, if you'll turn there very, very quickly, Philippians chapter 2, we'll read a few verses there. Serving up success. Philippians chapter 2, we're going to look at verse 6. Everybody there say amen. Amen. Again, if you see someone that doesn't have a Bible, slip over by them. That will help them a lot. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Verse 7. But made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That is the name of Jesus. Every knee should bow. And, the, and of things in heaven and the things in earth and the things under earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wow. Look at this success. This is true success. It's the ultimate approval and success. He did what the Father wanted him to do. He did, the Son of God, Jesus did exactly what the Father. Jesus gave us an example of how to be successful in the eyes of the Father. How is it? Following the Father's will. Notice what what led to this overwhelming approval from God, this great success. There's not self-seeking. He made himself, Jesus did, of no reputation. He didn't puff himself up. He didn't promote himself. He made himself of no reputation. He took upon him the form of a servant. He would, without robbery, had equality with God, voluntarily took upon him the form of a servant. Voluntarily. The Son of God voluntarily took on the form, think about this, of a servant. He was equal with God. He took a form that looked like a servant. His name is above every name. Every knee will bow and confess him. 
And yet he made himself a servant. John 13. Let's turn there real quick. John 13. John 13. Look at this scripture. It's amazing. John 13. Let's observe this servant. John 13, verse 12. So after he had... Are you there? John 13, verse 12. So after he had washed their feet... And he had taken his garments and was set down again. He said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also, to, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that is sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye, if ye do them. In the same setting in in other books in the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, the 12, do you know what they're doing? They're arguing about who's greatest. A little bit of history background is, do you know that slaves would wash the feet of their masters? Yep. But these disciples, do you know what they didn't have? They didn't have slaves. They didn't have anybody to do that. They went in and they ate And supper was ended and there was no one who would lower themselves to wash feet because they all were arguing about who would be the greatest. And then in verses 4 and 5, Jesus gets up and disrobes, puts on the towel of one that a slave would wear. And he poured water into a pot and he kneels down at their feet. And he starts to wash the dirty feet of the proud disciples who were squabbling while they sat there and wonder what is the master doing? And he teaches them. He teaches them how to serve one another. He gets down to where they're the dirtiest. He gets down where no one else is willing to do this. The Son of God humbled himself. That's what the Bible calls success. If you want to have success, men, listen to me. If you want to have success as heaven measures it, of greatness as God views it, 
Don't look at the great big amounts of wealth. Listen rather to the sound of the water splashing into a basin while God incarnate in humility makes the angels for a moment hold their breath while the sponge sponges the grime of the feet of the undeserving disciple. The Lord, the great one, takes on the role of a servant, the lesser one. The servant, the one who doesn't have ownership or rights, but just responsibilities. The son of God, the one who put his back to the cross for you and I, voluntarily. They didn't force him onto that cross. He let them place him on it. They, he let them put nails. He let them beat him. He let them scourge his back to where pieces of flesh were hanging there. He let them do that. He let them try him twice illegally. He let them keep him up all night. He hung there, not even able to get a full breath, hanging there halfway in an aspiration position for hours. If Jesus would humble himself and do it happily, then we ought to become servants like him. Jesus says, you'll be happy if you'll do these things. In Philippians, we see again that the, we're told that we have to have the mind of Christ that is to be in us. We have to abandon self-will. Don't be among those that say, well, I am this way because I am. I've always kind of had this attitude. This is just who I am. You just can't really tell me what to do. If I'm going to do it, it's going to be on my own. That's not success at all. That's called stubbornness. Well, I'm pretty aggressive. You know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm just of that nature. I'm just aggressive. Well, that's not humbleness. That's aggressiveness. I just kind of do whatever I want. I'm my own man. That's called, biblically, self-willed. That's not following the will of God. You won't reach success, not biblically speaking. Yep. The man that is going to be doing what Christ did, he is going to have to have the mind of Christ. That man that has his mind or has the mind of Christ, he must yield himself to Christ. I beg you, if you're here this morning, and if you're a male, and if you've not yielded your will to the Lord Jesus Christ, you have done one of the worst things you can do for your family's future. But if you want to do the best thing that you can do for your family's future, then this morning, before this service is over with, at the conclusion of this service, would you please, and I beg you, would you please yield your will to God?
Stop trying to do this on your own. And in a very confrontational way, let me just ask you this question. Sir, how's it going doing this on your own? How's it going trying to do church your way? Going from this church to this church, doing their thing and this thing. How's it going doing it their way? How's it going trying to raise your family your way? How's it going trying to have a decent relationship with your spouse or with a girlfriend your way? Under your will? How's it going trying to quit that addiction on your own? How's it going? Why don't we just, why don't we just acknowledge that Many of us in here, not just you, many of us in here need to yield to the will of God Almighty. And if we want to have real success, not by the world standards, but by biblical standards, we are going to need to start to humble ourselves and have the mind of Christ, which is a servanthood mind. That is the key to biblical success. To have the mind, to be a mind of Christ, to have a self-abandonment. Christianity in its present form is nothing more than seeing Jesus and imitating in him what we see. The success is this, bow down and, 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 and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. But in Philippians, we can see it very clearly. You can boil it down any way you want. You can analyze it any way you want. You can study it in Greek. But it's simply this, voluntarily be like Jesus and make yourself a servant of others. That's what Jesus did. He served the disciples, the ones that he was fixing to turn his earthly ministry over to. And then he was going to tell them before he left them, and I want you to pray that there's going to be more like you to come along and you're going to have to work with them. And at Canaan Baptist Church, one of the ways for you to serve God in a great successful way is to serve each other as servants of one another. And like-minded to Christ to take whatever position you got, whatever status you have, whatever role you play, and reduce yourself to nothing than a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And you'll be successful. Amen. And you might say, oh, I can't do that because I don't have this talent or this talent. You don't have to have talent. You just got to be yielded. You could look like I looked 40 years ago at the age of 20. Long hair, I mean to hear. Smelling like smoke and smelling like pot every Sunday morning when I came into church. Having to rub my eyes because I was still hung over. Sunday after Sunday, smelling and looking like that. But then on the third Sunday of February, 1983, I got down on the couch at my parents' house. And I just gave up everything to God. And I just asked the Lord to save me, to clean my heart, and to forgive me. I didn't have anything to offer. Nothing. But I just started to have a willingness. And that's when God works. God isn't going to work on you after you get a Bible college degree. God isn't going to work on you when you clean up. Well, if you'll get your hair cut, if you'll do this. No, God's going to work on you when you'll start to humble yourself to his working. Maybe this is what you were like at one time. But now you're like me. You've been saved 40 years. 
And you kind of got everything all figured out now, don't you? So we think sometimes. Yeah. Why don't we today stop pretending that we have it all figured out and realize, God, I may be saved 40 or 50 years, but I still need to be surrendered to you. When you become a servant, you'll find the following things to be in your life. Number one, you're going to be delighted to sing if that's your gift. Man, I wish I could sing like Luigi. I really do. But you know what? I have the responsibility and fulfillment, I'm sure, just as much as he does when he sings. I have the same fulfillment when I sing because we're all supposed to be singing for the Lord. But I sure wish I had a voice like that. But it doesn't matter. I'm still supposed to serve the Lord with that. It's a gift. Now, I don't have that, that type of a gift, but I can sing. I have a gift. Yep. I can say something. When you become a servant, you'll find yourself that you'll be willing to humble yourself to teach a class of kids, some dirty kids, some kids that don't even know what to do in church, but you'll be humble enough to teach them if, if your pastor asks you. You'll be able to help in junior church. You, you might even think about driving on a bus route or a van route. You'll, be hum, you'll humble yourself to arrange your schedule so that you can go out on soul winning. You'll be willing to humble yourself and change your schedule so that you can start coming to church more regularly because you're just not there all the time like you used to be. Why? Because you think you got it figured out. Can I say this with some incorrect grammar? You ain't got nothing figured out. And I married an English teacher, so that's dangerous to say. <laughs> but you don't. When you become a servant, you'll be willing to even counsel some, some weaker brother, weaker sister. When you become a servant, you'll be willing to be moved during an invitation time. Instead of sitting there during an invitation time when maybe you would have responded years ago, but now you just sit there and say, I wonder if she's going to respond. I wonder if he's going to respond. I wonder if the lost visitors will respond and get saved. Let's stop asking the Holy Spirit to respond and move amongst everybody else and not let him move amongst us. When you humble yourself, you'll be willing to give your time and your money to the Lord's work. Serving others is just simply this, authentic Christianity. It's simple and basic. As long as you maintain your rights to any position or prominence, as long as your ambitions keep you seated when dirty feet need cleaned, you will not learn true success. Because success is serving others. Men, taking on the mind of Christ has a bigger impact than you can ever dream. A true story. A man tells a child, his son, who has a terminal disease, who is soon to die, After a long struggle with a terminal disease, this, life's, this boy's life is now soon to be gone. And his dad says to his son, Son, 
you're going to be seeing Jesus really soon. Can you picture this conversation? Son, you're going to be seeing the Lord soon. Are you afraid? From his hospital bed, the son looks over to his dad and he says, Daddy, I'm not afraid if he's like you. I'm not afraid if he's like you. On this Father's Day, would you ponder that thought? Would your child or your grandchild say to you, I'm not afraid if he's like you, Dad. If you hear this morning and you're not saved, you've not trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're still trying to get to heaven your way. You still think you've got to clean up before Jesus will accept you. Well, Jesus doesn't ask us to clean up before he accepts us. He wants us to come as we are. Man, that's simple. You don't have to clean up. Jesus has got to give it up. Give up all of your hopes to earn your own way to heaven and give it up to him and say, Jesus, I'm trusting in you. What you did on the cross for me thousands of years ago, I'm going to trust in that to get me to heaven. I trust in you, Jesus, and what you did for me, that you will resurrect me. I have faith in what you did, and now I'm going to return from my ways, and I'm going to turn towards living for you. You might say, I, 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 I can't give up some of those things. You see, actually you can, because when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you start to find that you have a change in your heart, right. things you want. Yeah. I, I, I'm not going to get into all the details, and I've shared Hill before, but I, I was... I was probably smoking uh, cigarettes probably for at least 10 years by the age of 20. I was smoking pot from seventh grade until I was 20. I was drinking beer and hard liquor that whole time and, and, and other things. And I tried to quit all of them. Never was able to quit any of them on my own. But when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, when I gave it all up, all of those things, they started to become less desirable for me. It, it, was, it is like that because the Spirit of God was in my heart. My heart started to change. I didn't want to. I didn't, I didn't really have anybody forsake my, friend, my friends leaving me. I just left them because I didn't want to hang around with them because I didn't want to do what they were doing. I started around church people. People started to accept me, love me. A preacher would, would remember my name, would, would love on me. If you're here this morning, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, in a few moments we're going to have an invitation. It's just, a, it's a, just an old-fashioned Baptist tradition here at Canaan. There's going to be somebody up here leading us in song, and you're going to be invited to come down here and to pray here, right there, here at the front, uh, over there at the pew. Um, if we get too many people, we can come up on the platform. And I, I think there's going to be a lot of Christians praying as well. I don't know that. But you're going to see some movement. If you're new to the church, you're going to see some movement. And they're going to be coming down here and praying. 
And if you're not saved, you can come down here and you can, you can come to the preacher and say, preacher, I need to be saved. He won't have his microphone on or anything like that. And he can say, well, listen, I want to show you in Scripture. And he's going to get a man that's been trained or a lady that's been trained to show you in Scripture, right in the Bible, how you can accept Jesus Christ as your Savior this morning. Uh, nothing crazy, magical, but it is supernatural. You're going to be changed by God. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you're going to have a chance today to do it. If you are saved and you're a member of this church, I got to ask you do you currently have the mind of Christ right now? Oh, Brother Copes, you don't know who I am around here. I don't care. It doesn't matter who you are, what you do, whatever. I'm asking you this question. Do you have the mind of Christ? And if you don't, you're missing so much. Do you really want the Lord to, to, to put upon you, you've been successful, you've been faithful? Then you're going to have to have the mind of Christ and be a servant of one another. This has been pointed. This has been directed to the men. I know that, but ladies, I can't think of anything better than for a preacher to come and to challenge your men on Father's Day. You wives need godly men, not just good men, not just good providers, not just good leaders. You need godly men who will be servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, ladies, I would ask you this. Why don't you this morning... Be found on a bent knee praying for your godly man. I have a godly man, Brother Copes. Then why don't you thank God for him? Because he's in a battle. Satan wants your godly man knocked off his horse. And he wants to discourage him. And if you've got a godly man in your house, thank God for him. For you children, if you have a godly father... Why don't you this morning take time? I'm looking at particularly these young ladies. Why don't you take time and thank God for a godly dad that has a good influence on you? And maybe you're like me. I need to continually surrender to God's will in my life. I stand here before you surrendered as of this morning. I surrender on a daily basis. Why? Because I'm a male, I like to have control. But I've got to give it up to him. This morning, there's been four couples around the country, four different couples that are on my prayer team. And I want to look at you in the face and say, already today, in the state of North Carolina, Nebraska, Kentucky, and Oklahoma, there's been four couples that have been on their knees this morning praying for Canaan Baptist Church today for this service. And I got a feeling you might know why. You might know why. Would you stand with your heads bowed, your eyes closed? If those that are going to help us in the invitation, if you come quickly, if God's speaking to you, please don't delay. I'm not going to drag on this invitation. I'm not going to try to work anybody into coming. But if the Spirit of God's working in your heart as a guest preacher, I only know to do this. 
either come to the front or be seated there in your pew. That tells me you're doing business with God. If I don't see anybody seated or I don't see anybody at the front, we're going to close the invitation time down. But don't let me close this invitation time down if you're doing business with God. If you need some help and you're at the front or if you're still in the pews, if you need some help, just lift your hand up. I'm the only one looking. Everyone's going to have their eyes closed and their heads bowed during the invitation time. If you need some help, just lift your hand and we'll guide somebody to help you. Heavenly Father, meet with us today, right now. And Lord, may we all walk out of here yielded to you, surrendered. We ask it in Christ's name.